Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Steve Farrell, and we'll be talking about his journey, as well as his book, A New Universal Dream, My Journey from Silicon Valley to a Life in Service to Humanity. In the 1990s, Steve co-founded and led two high-growth technology companies based in Silicon Valley that were featured in the Inc. 500 and spanned the United States and Europe. A New Universal Dream is the inspiring story of Steve's journey from the pursuit of wealth and traditional ideas of success toward a more fulfilling life of caring and service to others and to humanity. It also the story of the potential each of us has for profound change and the power we all hold to open ourselves ever deeper to the oneness of all things and to evolve consciously toward the highest versions of ourselves. In 2003, he co-founded Humanities Team, a 501c3 nonprofit, with New York Times best-selling author, of the Conversations with God series of Neil Donald Walsh. The following year, he became the worldwide executive director, leading a highly motivated and committed core team, along with volunteers, county country coordinators, and country contacts around the world. Humanity's team was founded on Neil's and Steve's vision of a world free of outdated and limiting beliefs about the divine, one another, nature, and all of life. For more information, you can visit Steve's website, which is www.stevefarrell.org, and you can also find out more about Humanities Team by visiting www.humanitiesteam.org. Now with that, I'd like to welcome Steve to the show. Good day, Steve. Robert, thanks so much for having me, Ben. Looking forward to being with you here for the hour. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, it is a very inspiring story that you have lived over the last couple of decades. So let, let's start with, you know, um, I did that uh, corporate world to entrepreneur switch uh, many, many years ago. Um, and I think a lot of people listening um, are probably wanting to do that. So can you maybe take us back to the time when you were in the in Silicon Valley, and kind of what led to that shift that you made towards service? You bet, I'd be happy to do that. So, uh, well, that that really um, what happened to me, and I suspect that many of your your listeners have had a similar experience. Is, is this was the time of my personal awakening? So it was in the middle of the 1990s there, when I was actually right in the middle of this whole Silicon Valley wealth creation thing. And I, as you mentioned, I kind of hit the jackpot there because I started my first company with another guy in a little executive suite, used furniture, and just something as inexpensive as we could find. There, January 1st, 1990, and, and uh, uh, it, uh, the business had to do with the Internet. We were designing high-speed communications uh, services for larger companies like the Gap, the Spree, even worked with the with Apple Computer out there. Uh, and as the Internet came on and as these workstations like Apple and IBM PC and so on, uh, that that uh, uh, that digital communication just took off, uh, just flew. And so that's what happened to our business. And we, uh, two guys uh, with used furniture, start this thing and Ten years later, that first business was at 75 million and about 175 people, and, and then we started a second business there. Within the first business, uh, that we grew to 75 million in two years, 
so I was it was it was quite a juxtaposition where on one side I've got the old American dream thing happening with all of the wealth creation, but then on the other side uh was this whole I'll call it cognitive dissonance where uh I could feel within me that it, while it was really exciting this stuff I was doing including you know being able to climb on a personal jet things like that because I didn't grow up that way uh that my life was was about something much much more important than things like that and uh so this was my personal awakening where I came to see that um you know what what most of us grew up with this whole bible saying right we're made in the likeness and image of the one of god of the divine and and um of course these are mystical teachings and in today's world now you've got all the science quantum physics and the like coming forward with this research that's sharing you know what we it's true we're actually a part of we're inseparable from the universe or cosmos uh and uh, the words universe cosmos divine god are actually interchangeable so is what we find to be true. So I went through that big, massive awakening experience as my business was growing like crazy. And, um, you know, in, in short, Robert, what happened is is I lost my passion for business. Um, you know, I, I said, I think I'm playing a kid's game here, growing these businesses. There's something more important that I'm to do. And uh, my heart was really calling me to it. I'll even say my soul was calling me to it. And so I did sell those businesses, and I left Silicon Valley. I moved my family to Boulder, Colorado, as you mentioned in the introduction. I then launched this 501c3 nonprofit called Humanities Team. That's spelled with a Y, Humanities Team, uh, in uh, in June of 2003, and boy, did my life change. So that was almost 21 years ago. Wow. That, that, that is quite a story. So... What would you say, you know, when you recognize that you're kind of playing this game, um, what did you recognize about the, you know, the American dream or the, what, you know, people are being sold as the American dream? Because even, even today, you know, we have, you know, with immigrants coming to the company, the idea is coming for the American dream. So can you talk a little bit about you know, kind of how, you know, that urge people feel, you know, toward that particular dream. And, you know, is there a way to kind of modify um, the pursuit of that dream? Absolutely, yeah. And that's really why I wrote this book called A New Universal Dream, was to take people through the true story of me from age 12 all the way through to today, uh, where uh, and the whole birth and growth of Humanities Team, we're now the number one global nonprofit in transformational education globally. We translate our our uh, transformational education programs in 75 languages, so we're pretty excited about that. But uh, so yes, so here's the thing, Robert is uh, what I was observing here during this journey, you know, this 50 plus year journey, is is I think that every generation starts out uh, in search of adventure, discovery, and ultimately treasure. And uh, this earlier generations, it was the old American dream that was that treasure, which was making a whole bunch of money, fame, fortune, power over people, all of these things. What's interesting about my journey is I uh, grew up with a, a mom that was divorced, uh, worked full-time, and then six brothers and sisters in a little 1,300-square-foot home. Uh, so probably most people that are listening can identify with that. Probably a lot of their parents were divorced. Uh, very modest home. You know, I was the middle kid. So middle kids listen a lot. They don't talk a lot. Um, so it was quite an adventure for me to set out from that and finish college and then and then go out to Silicon Valley and then find myself starting these businesses and growing them uh, with all of the uh, unbelievable growth that I had to go through, uh, which is another one of the things I do in my book is I stop and say, wow, that was, you know, I had a wife out there. Uh, I, I learned a lot here. And I share, you know, of all the wipeouts and the things I learned and how I grew uh, consciously. Now, uh, so, but the big thing here, which is really goes to the question you're asking, Robert, is, is the treasure itself. See, uh, I landed 
in this place where the old American dream treasure did, in fact, surface there for me, where my uh, these companies were worth uh, the first one over 20 million, close to 30 million. Uh, the second one, uh, much more than that. And uh, so there was all of this wealth being created around me. But see, I also observed what was going on in this culture of wealth creation, where uh, you always want more. So you get your business gets to 50 million, you celebrate for 48 hours, then we're off chasing 100 million. Then you get to 100 million, you celebrate for 48 hours. Then you're off chasing 200 million. So it's always want and prioritizing, wanting, 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 creating more, 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 bigger, better, more, right? And uh, what I could see is that that was not creating the lifestyle that truly makes people happy. There were there were some, a few that were part of my, uh, you know, cadre of friends in the community that that had really healthy, happy families. But there were many where there were huge challenges. And by the way, um, you know, I was. So because my businesses were growing like this, uh, I was in some pretty neat organizations. The the one that I left, uh, the governor of California, you know, was in my 60-person chapter, Gavin Newsom. The guy that runs the largest real estate equity trust in the whole world was in my chapter. So these were really bright, very capable, incredible public speakers, uh, inquisitive, creative leaders. Uh, but they were about, you know, more conventional business and more conventional living. Uh, and, and this is – it was at this time that I said, I don't think this is really uh, the thing that I – that's going to bring me and my family and the world around me happiness, uh, these sort of external rewards where I'm sort of ignoring my interior values. Uh, and so then I set out in search of the, the treasure – which I did eventually find, which I call conscious living. I know we'll talk about it here. Uh, and conscious living is, I think, our generation's treasure. I think that's an, the old treasure is the old American dream. And, it, it uh, again, there's a lot of challenge in that old American dream. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of misplaced values, a lot of misplaced priorities. Uh, and there were, there were many, many people that I don't think were living uh, happy lives. Of course, that's for them to decide, not me. But, I realized this was not uh, what was going to make me happy, and it wasn't going to—it wasn't what was going to bring joy and health and well-being to the planet around me. And uh, but then this nonprofit that we're talking about here, that I launched with Neil Donald Walsh, Humanities Team, Conscious Living. This is where the real delicious living comes in. This is where the where we're following our interior values. And I believe it's—I uh, believe the great migration, I'll call it, to conscious living is going on right now. And there are many people, including probably many of your listeners that are a part of this migration right now. Yeah, I, I would agree that, you know, that uh, migration is happening. And, you know, over the last 20 years, I've noticed it growing more um, more common, you know, for people to, you know, discuss the, the fact of, you know, the old paradigm not working and that things needed to change. And for some people, um they you know they were able to make the change you know, you know pretty easily following certain signs and things and sometimes people for people the change might have been rough <laughs> you know it might have been uh they might have had to be hit by a two by four in order to you know kind of wake up you know and, and live more consciously but um so the what would you say is the new universal dream? and how it differs from the American dream. So the new universal dream is uh, cohesive with all of the latest scientific research and the spiritual wisdom that's been shared down through the ages, all the way back to Hippocrates and, and uh, Plato, who lived in around 450 BCE, so about 2,500 years ago, who first started talking about the one consciousness uh, that we're all a part of today, the way that often is framed, probably many of your listeners have heard this, is that there's a universal consciousness, right, that's animating all of life. So that probably doesn't sound too foreign to most people. So this one consciousness that's extending across the universe, the cosmos, and that we're inseparable from. So the scientists like to, they'll say, we're sovereign to one body. You know, we're inseparable from the universe and the cosmos. They'll go further and say, you should walk with incredible posture. You know, uh, when you consider yourself, because 
because the universe can't exist without you. It's, it's a holographic universe. It can, cannot exist without you. Uh, and this is, of course, also the same uh, spiritual wisdom that's been shared by mystics down through the ages, all the way back to Plato and Hippocrates. So, uh, so that's a, if, you know, that could sound very abstract. Uh, that could sound like, oh, you know, why are we even thinking about that or talking about that? But uh, increasingly, like uh, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, there were a, a mainstream science magazine, Popular Mechanics, was running a story for a good deal of time. Apple News picked it up and ran it for a few weeks, and it was bringing in this exact same science. It was saying, it was saying that uh, essentially this, this is kind of jaw-dropping, that there's no such thing as a separated self. That, that you know, that the notion, Robert, that you're just this body separate from the world around you and the universe, or that me, you know, Stephen, that I'm a body separate from the universe and the world around me is a fiction. It's a fiction. So, and this is popular mechanics. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I could bring in the the, the um, Nobel Prize for Physics in October of last year was for entanglement, which is actually bringing in this very same thing, which is that. Three researchers won this Nobel Prize for Physics, and you can, listeners can Google entanglement. What does it mean? Entanglement means you've got two things that can be on uh, different sides of the universe. Okay, so we're talking about hundreds of light years apart. And, there, and then there's no physical connection at all between these two things, and they're deeply affecting each other. That's what entanglement means. Uh, so, again... These things where we talk about separated self, entanglement, uh, uh, a universal consciousness animating all of life, most of us, unless we're a Sufi or something, didn't grow up with this wisdom or this science. We, we didn't grow up with any of this. We grew up with the Newtonian, Darwinian science as we went through grade school and high school and college that said, you know, Steve Farrell, you were your body. You know, you were delivered to the earth by your parents, Linda and Joe. And, and in 20 years, you're going to be five feet under. You know, the Steve Farrell won't exist. Well, the, the spiritual wisdom and the uh, new research says none of that's true, that uh, I, I am actually consciousness that is inhabiting a body. I'm not the body. And that I actually have the same properties as the cosmos, the universe, the divine God. What are those properties? Everlasting life, unlimited potential. Uh, and if your listeners have uh, listened to mediums at all, like Karen Noe, um, Suzanne Giesman, and, and others, or if they've listened to the near-death experience community, people like Do Dr. Eben Alexander, who wrote Proof of Heaven, they know what I'm sharing. You know, it's true that uh, we can actually talk to family, departed loved ones on the other side, angels, guides, all of these things. This is not woo-woo at all, and the, it used to be considered woo-woo. It's, it's not woo-woo. Um, and if, if anybody thinks it is, go to our Humanities Team website, spell with a Y, humanitiesteam.org. Go to our free programs and go through some of these programs with these mediums I'm mentioning or the near-death experience people uh, who are uh, people that are well-respected globally and, and hear what they have to say. So, uh, so when we start living into, Robert, this new wisdom, then what we are living into is it's no longer about my whole life being this one incarnation, this this body that I'm living in, uh, that this is, I, I've lived hundreds of lives, you know, I'm here for a very short uh, journey that's a part of my everlasting life, and the question then becomes, and I'm a part of the one, so it's not just metaphor where I say, Robert, I'm a part of you, you're a part of me, we're a part of the 8 billion people, the planet actually, Earth, is a part of this one too, so we steward the Earth. All of these things. We move the fence posts out from just our, I'm married to Stephanie and I have two kids. Instead of the family just being, and my concern just being the, is my family, I move the fence posts out to the whole of humanity and the earth. And we can't do everything, but we can do something in terms of being uh, uh, something that's here for health and well-being and, and uh, uh, alchemy and, 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 and just creating uh, more healthful uh, communities, homes, worlds, workplaces, etc. So I know I'm covering a lot of ground here, but the primary thing, if we want to just kind of bring the spotlight right down on it, it, it coming to your question, Robert, is 
So it's a whole new self-identification. It's, it's not – that was the thing in the mid-'90s that changed for me, is I'm not just Steve Farrell, this body that will go to dust at the end of 20 years or so. I'm actually uh, – I have everlasting life. I have unlimited potential. I am – made in the likeness and image of the divine. I'm actually a son, uh, and their daughters also listening here, of, of the divine. Uh, that we are we're sons and daughters of the Most High. We have those properties. When we start living into that, Robert, that's a completely different way of opening our eyes uh, to the world and living in the world. It's a completely different way of living in the world. And this is where this whole delicious uh, lifestyle comes in, what we call conscious living in humanity's king. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I remember woo-woo when it was woo-woo before it become it becomes scientific. Uh, has some scientific basis to it. And, and yes, you read a, uh, a good number of my listeners would, uh, you know, have listened to mediums and and follow a lot of of, of that type of, of program. Um, and you know the the idea of life as a hologram you know for me when that first came up it, it was really hard for me to grasp and it's still to a degree it for me you know to, to be thinking about it as such um, but you know there is more and more um, scientific research being done that adds credence to that idea and so you know I'm, I'm looking forward to that you know, becoming clearer for people. But for the average person who, you know, goes to work nine to five, um, maybe blue collar or, you know, white collar who doesn't um, have a lot of um, knowledge, you know, about, say, conscious living, what would you say to them? Why should they care about this? Yeah, boy. So such a great question, and uh, they should deeply care about it. Here's why. Um, at least if they agree with the things I'm about to say. So uh, uh, when I was young, as I mentioned, my book takes us back to paper out, and I paid for my braces when I was 12. My parents didn't have any money, you know. And uh, the the uh, uh, I, I found a uh, orthodontist that was nice enough to take five or ten dollar monthly payments to pay for my braces. So uh and I'd walk around and I'd collect, you know, uh from the people that took my paper at the end of the month and, and I'd ring the doorbell and the people would come to the door and they'd go, Oh, you know, I'm just a little twelve year old kid and they go, Oh, you know, this kid is here again to collect from he wants money, you know. Um so and there were other things, friends, you know, they'd have me over to their home and their parent mother usually was home during the day and they'd let me in. And I could tell by the way the mother uh, and the brothers and sisters looked at me that I was just like a thing. You know, I wasn't um, – it was very transactional, I'll call it. Um, mm-hmm. So even today, by the way, I don't want to go waste too much time on this, but if you open magazines and look at how models are looking or uh, if, you, uh, if you meet with most people that are maybe uh, popular or have fame or fortune – uh, or even neighbors saw them, you know, and see how they look at you, how they observe you, how they treat you, uh, where we're living, I'll call it unconsciously, where we're living uh, as just, you know, a person, son of Joe and Linda. Um, uh, it, it's it's transactional. Um, it's painful, I'm going to say. People have come back to me with, well, you must be sensitive and so on. I don't think it's me being sensitive. I think it, I think we're numbed by the way we live on the earth, where if, if, if people really just, as you hear me talking, take a moment after this program to think about in your workplace with some of your neighbors, even with some of your friends, uh, in television shows and in magazines, how you're looked at and treated transactionally. I even had to go to the hospital a few years ago. Something happened, and I had to go into the emergency room, and they put me in the hospital overnight. And and God bless these nurses and things. I know they are pulled in a thousand different directions. But um, it's very transactional, even in a hospital, even when you're there in an emergency room, uh, looking at you as sort of just somebody, something, you know, that's there. Uh, when, when we live in this, I'm going to call it 
you know, not very conscious way, generally speaking, it's very transactional. It's not even relational if you're, you know, a man and a woman in a relationship. A lot of times the women will say, uh, I'd like it to be more relational where we're at more eye contact, really connecting with each other. And relational is better than transactional. But when you're living consciously, where I'm talking about the delicious way of living, that's completely different. So this is where we see each other as uh, as a part of the sacred, as spiritual beings, as somebody that is on a on a sacred journey. There's a sense of open you open your heart. There's a sense of loving presence. There's a sense of listening, of deeper listening. Uh, there's a sense of appreciation and gratitude. All of these kinds of things. The people I work with in humanities team, uh, the nonprofit that I'm a part of. This is how we see each other and treat each other. In my home, as you can imagine, this is how we see and treat each other. Uh, and then I'm, when we're out with homeless or wherever, where we're, we're in the community, this is how we're seeing and treating each other. So this is the difference. Um, there's a lot more than this, but this is one of the big things. If we're just blue collar, just getting by, just paycheck to paycheck, where we continue to live in this place of just I'm a body living this one life, uh, it's very transactional, um, and, and to me that's very painful. Uh, and whereas when we open to being a part of the one of sons and daughters of the Most High, uh, and we let that love in, and we reciprocate that love, which is what you naturally do when you live consciously, there's a reciprocal love, a love for you and a love back to a call of God, you know, and life around us. Um, it's that's where the delicious living comes in, and I don't I don't know why anybody would want to live in the I'll call it pain of transactional living. Yeah, and and we're confronted with that um, transactional living constantly. I mean, it is kind of bombarded, bombarding us, you know, in in every direction, and and I guess until you become aware of it as being transactional, um, until that happens, you know, you're going to kind of, you know, to continue to view life from in that manner. And, and uh, last week I had a woman on my show, and she was talking about um, relational intelligence, you know, and um, she had talked about, you know, in, in one country she was working, um, that they were having problems with kids, uh, you know, running wild and graffiti and all this kind of stuff and, and we're trying to, trying to come up with solutions for that and, and, you know, the typical was, you know, come up with, um, ways to reprimand and, you know, and kind of use, um, discipline in order to make it happen and she said what they ended up doing using relational intelligence was recognizing that you know, one thing that they loved was soccer. So what they would end up doing is scheduling soccer games and practices near the times when they would normally go out and, you know, create mayhem. And so it basically shifted their focus, but the idea was, you know, kind of um, meeting them where they are in a way as far as trying to influence actions. Yeah, which is which is, which is is um relational like that where we're considering ways that we can be in community and be closer and have more fun and so on, you know, that's, that's, those are stepping stones out in the direction that I'm talking about. I'm, I'm bringing in the deeply spiritual, uh, this aspect of, of who we really are, where we understand we're not the separated self. We're actually a part of this whole universe and cosmos. Or said another way, we're a part of the divine or God, uh, that we, we're all, inseparable from the one and and that's bringing in a whole new lever, level and layer of uh, open heartedness of love of truth of listening of gratitude of all of these kinds of things um, so let me bring in something else here Robert so um, we probably many of us here many of your listeners have read Stephen Covey's book you know way back when right the seven habits of highly effective people now um, Habit number two in there was begin with the end in mind. We probably all remember that habit. Begin with the end in mind, right? So now coming back to these mediums, the James Von Progs, the um, Karen Noe's, the Suzanne Geesmans, people, probably your listeners, they all know different mediums that are they're quite well-known, quite mm-hmm. popular. Most of them have two or, two or three-year waiting lists. 
because it's so remarkable what they can share when they uh, connect you with loved ones on the other side of the veil. Now, uh, also with the, the near-death experience community is going to go to the same wisdom I'm about to share. What they share is at the end of this physical life that we go through what they call a panoramic life review. It's part of their process. People maybe have even heard it because it's been out there for a while. Or they maybe have heard it as life review. You go through a life review. Some call it a panoramic life review. So in this panoramic life review, at the end of our physical life, what happens is, is we go through a, uh, a real-life experience. It's not a recording uh, where the people that I was with from early in my life to later in my life, especially important meetings, I will see, feel, and, and, and hear, and they'll even be able to touch me from the standpoint of those that were around me. Okay, so we're not in my mind, what I was thinking, feeling, saying, or doing. We're in the emotions that I was stirring in others from the beginning of my life to the end of my life. That's the, that's the panoramic life review. What were they thinking, seeing, and feeling? What emotions was I stirring in these people? Uh, that's, that's, that's the end. Uh, and that almost all of them share that's what the end is. So at the end of our life, it's not the bank account. It's not the house. Mm -hmm. It's not the car. We can enjoy all those things. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying uh, when we are reviewing our life, this is, what we're, this is how we're reviewing it. The, the, the question that's asked at the very end is, so did you and God accomplish what you wanted to accomplish in that lifetime? So, and then this becomes um, father for our journey as we go and embody a next time and a next time after that. Uh, so if, if to the extent that people might believe this is true, this is where all of our physical lives will end. And so if we've got our ladder leaning against a wall of separated self, it's all about me, 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 you know, I want this, I want that, I want this, you know, it doesn't matter what my wife wants, I'd rather do this than what she wants, I'd rather do this than what my kids want, I'd rather do this than what my coworkers want. We can do that. We have free will. Uh, at the end of our life, one, I don't think we're going to feel great. Because <laughs> I don't think it's going to usually feel good to do that. Mm -hmm. And two, we're going to relive it. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. we're going to relive it. Uh, so where we then, uh, by contrast, where we kind of pick our ladder up and we move it from the wall that it's leaning against now, we, we put our ladder against this new wall, which is, I'm going to call it ultimate reality, because Again, researchers, scientists are saying this is how life works, including the mediums, the near-death experience community, et cetera. When we start living consciously, this is where we'll all find it, is life experience. And it's not just me. It's all the people I work with. It's the, uh, the transformational education programs we've created. We have over 175 on our streaming platform that's translated, as I mentioned, into, a, into 75 languages right now, where these uh, instructors, the faculty, are talking about this this whole conscious living thing, how it works, where we're open-hearted, where we know ourselves as a part of, uh, as as being in the likeness and image of of God, of the divine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, we're a little past halfway, so I want to take just a quick 90-second break. And then when we come back, um, you and Neil created an initiative called Changing Humanity's Future. So I really wanted to dive into that uh, right after the break, okay? Fantastic. Great. Great. Hey, everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder, we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, www.byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to the more than 1,700 shows we have aired during the past 13 years. Also on the site are links to the products and services we provide, books, photography products and services, calendars and greeting cards, there is also a link to our account at Fine Art America, where you can purchase items such as mugs, prints, pillows, and more. Our show is available as a free podcast on multiple platforms, such as iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible, with icons to each platform on our homepage. We are also available on social media platforms such as Facebook, X, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Threads. Our website, www.byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Steve Farrell, and we're talking about his journey, um, as well as his book, A New Universal Dream, My Journey from Silicon Valley to a Life in Service to Humanity. And again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is www.stevefarrell.org, and that's D-F-A-R-R-E-L-L.org. And you can find out more about Humanities Team by visiting that website, which is humanitiesteam.org, and that's humanity with a Y, humanitiesteam.org. Okay, with that, we're back, Steve. Awesome, Robert. Yeah. So you want to jump Good. into this other conversation about the Changing Humanity's Future Initiative? Yes. Yes. I really would like to learn more about that. So can you kind of give us uh, an overview of what the initiative is about? Yes, I would be happy to. So so what we were talking about is just kind of us, you know, and how we perceive ourselves and how we live our lives and how we make it more delicious and less painful. So that was kind of our focus here in the first half hour. Now, and as we shift gears to talk about this Changing Humanity's Future initiative, uh, we're going to bring in uh, also the collective or macrocosm. So you could so you could say there's the individual and collective here on the Earth. The collective is the 8 billion people, the whole planet. Uh, that's the same thing. Mac- macrocosm is the same thing. Microcosm is us individually. Uh, we're going to shift gears now and go to the collective or the macrocosm, the world around us. And so what this initiative is, uh, about two years ago, Neil and I uh, created this initiative uh, along with his conversations with God Foundation. And and then there were many, many other leaders, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Suzanne Giesman, Deborah Poneman, I could go on, you know, many, many of these leaders in transformational education that joined us in this initiative and that are a part of our free programs that we do several times a year. Actually, everything we do fits under this umbrella of uh, changing humanity's future because it's not only about living delicious lives, really uh, loving lives, lives that are with full with a lot of health and well-being individually. It's also about creating a planet like that. That's what changing humanity's future uh, initiative is. Is we were we were recognizing that when we get to a tipping point, when eight to ten percent of the global population starts living the way that you and I are discussing here now during this show, Robert, where we're living consciously, where, which means we're living as, as a, we've moved our fence posts out, where we understand that the earth and the 8 billion people here and indeed the universe and cosmos are a part of our of who we are, that we're sovereign to this larger one body, the universe, the cosmos, the divine. Uh, that this We've heard the term omnipresence that says that uh, the divine is in everything, right? Uh, well, that's, this is omnipresent. We're living in the omnipresence, where we understand that we are a part of this one universal consciousness that's animating all of life in the cosmos and in the universe, and where we can't do everything, all of us, but we can do something. And in our daily practice, we're guided to those things we can do that are going to create healthier uh, and, and, and better well-being in our homes, communities, workplaces, and in the world. I was guided to uh, come and join Neil Donald Walsh in creating Humanities Team and then in growing it into what it's become here almost 21 years later. So this initiative is, uh, is, is now focusing attention on something that almost everybody, and certainly everybody with kids, is thinking a lot about right now. And that's this issue of, holy cow, uh, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, is this planet going to be habitable? Uh, you know, we, with the wars going on, with global warming and extreme climate change and these things, the polarity right now, red states, blue states, uh, most people are extremely concerned, not just a little, 
they're extremely concerned about the planet and uh, uh, the extent to which we can have healthy lives, right? Uh, my, my family, we just watched one of the uh, big, biggest shows on Netflix right now. It's a series called Our Planet. Uh, in the fifth or sixth program, it's the last program that's a part of the Our Planet series, it says the whole, uh, the whole video uh, is on where we are now, where we're going. And it states, it says, we're headed straight toward the sixth great mass extinction right now, that there have been five before, we're headed toward the sixth, and we, but fortunately we're a mammal that uh, can change our minds, that can change the way we live on the planet, that can create healthy ways of living on the planet, and that we'll heal this, uh, uh, this destination, this, we'll change the destination that we're headed toward. So most people have seen a movie like that, read articles like that, and have some concern, again, as they even watch the news, about the planet, where it is, where it's going. Uh, now, the interesting thing about conscious living, when we live the way I described as a part of the one, where health and well-being and healing and alchemy and opening our hearts and being kinder and gentler and more giving and more in service, all of these things, uh, we can't any longer start wars. Uh, we, we can't um, do things that are going to hurt the earth. We're going to, you know, we all have budgets, so we can't just buy an electric car overnight or something, but we're going to pay attention to the way we live, the cars we drive, the homes that we live in, and so that we can uh, uh, take better care of this planet so that we can heal these, right now they say, uh, in land and water and in energy, we're overusing these resources. Uh, that's part of what's behind this whole sixth grade mass extinction or existential crisis, as it's sometimes called. When we're living consciously, we pay attention to these things. Uh, we, this blue state, red state thing, when we live consciously, we don't get into that Hatfield versus the McCoys, where it's their fault, and I'm the victim, and they need to stop doing this. We, we're, we're a healer. We're an alchemist. We, 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 we share, look, you know, I might have different opinions than you, but you've had heartbreak, haven't you? I've had heartbreak, too. Uh, we mm -hmm. can stand together, you know, in that. So uh, changing humanity's future is saying that not only in living consciously do we create great lives for ourselves, but we heal and detour this whole sixth great mass extinction thing, this existential crisis thing, and we, we create healthy futures for our kids and future generations simply by creating a tipping point where 8 to 10% of us live this way. And the initiative says to make conscious living pervasive worldwide by 2040, which is in about 16 years from now. Yeah, and, you know, I truly hope you achieve that goal. Um, because one of the things that, you know, I, as I sit back and, you know, and you know, ponder, you know, the idea of, you know, the climate change and, and the different ways that it's affecting people. Um, it seems to me that um, only when it becomes personal for someone do they seem to get it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if it's happening in another side of the world or, or even to my neighbor, you know, it's, it's not to me personally. But if it does happen to me personally, then I kind of have that little bit of awakening. Um, and you know, I look at the pandemic and what that did is, you know, as far as, you know, I was stunned, you know, at the um, impact that I had on the globe, you know, where people in Venice could see fish, you know, where, you know, there are things that, um, you know, nature was kind of coming out from, from the woods. I mean, there were things where it showed the human impact on the, on the world, you know, um, and it was, it was a brief time and, and then I think a bunch of people got it, you know, when, when that happened. Um, but then it seemed, you know, after it ended, kind of things slipped back into, you know, the way they, they used to be, so to speak, um, before we kind of gained this knowledge. So is there, my question is, is there a kind of like um, two steps forward, one step back kind of thing that happens as we're kind of inching toward that? 
Yeah, I think so. I think I think for many people, yes, um, I think that's true. I think that right now, again, if we just talk about the state of the world and even tune in like to neighbors, our workplace, right? Just think about your neighbors, the workplace, the people you know as we're talking. Um, my sense is that uh, we have very fertile ground, I'll call it right now, for the kind of change that we are discussing here, Robert, uh, a change where we end this cognitive dissonance, I'll call it, uh, which is what was going on with me, where it's like a tapping on the shoulder, Steve, is this really what your life is supposed to be about, you know? these extraordinary dinner experiences or a, or a jet or something, a cognitive dissonance of where, you know, is this really how I'm supposed to spend my precious life? I think a lot of people are experiencing cognitive dissonance. I think a lot of people are experiencing that their deeper values, they don't feel like they're totally living into. They don't have them in their relationships. They don't have them at work. Uh, I think people are wanting to know, isn't there more? Isn't there more that can make me feel happier you know, and to live what we're, you know, what I'm calling a delicious life. I think a lot of people are really sitting with that, thinking about that. When I when I talk to uh, a group, I'll often have people come up and talk to me and, and share, yeah, I've kind of put, taken a few steps out, Steve, into what you've described, and maybe I haven't gone totally there, but I've taken a few steps out. Usually they're afraid to go further because they say, well, if I go further, What's going to happen to my family? You know, like, I'm, am I going to be just sitting in a cave and, and I have to give everything up? And is my family going to uh, not not be living well, you know, if I do these things? The irony here, Robert, is what I've found is where we pay attention to this, I'll call it still small voice, or I could call it our soul's calling. You know, I think people know what I mean when I say those things. We've all, we all have, have tuned into that somewhat, some a lot, and some a little, but where we pay attention to this soul's calling, this still small voice, um, and, and we allow it to lead us. Uh, we, there's a, you know, what I've found is, like, again, going back to what the Bible and what many of us have read is, is when you give, give unto the kingdom, it says, it says all things are given unto you, right? There's like a boomerang mm-hmm. stuff where you're out in service to this larger uh, self, this world around us, your bigger self. Uh, and without smaller agendas, that there are these blessings and synchronicities and miracles and things that happen in support of you. And that's been my experience. And so the home that my family got to land in here in Boulder, uh, the beautiful people that I get to work with and humanities team, even now as I'm doing podcasts, listeners and, that I'm in touch with and, and viewers where uh, there's a video component, it's amazing. Uh, so I don't, I've found I don't give up anything. I'm actually, I receive a ton, uh, a lot from, from following my soul's calling. And that's really the invitation here is just to do a little homework. You know, education is kind of where it starts, which is why we offer all these educational programs. There are over 175 master classes on our streaming platform at Humanities Team. After, after education comes the next one, which is embodiment or expression. So it's not enough to just know logically, you know, logic center your mind, uh, these things that I'm talking about. There's no, no deliciousness in just knowing. The deliciousness <laughs> comes in the living. It's in the embodying, expressing, you know. Uh, that's, no, that's where the deliciousness comes in. And then the third one is engaging. So it's so what you and I are doing here, Robert. Now, we're not proselytizing. We're not trying to sell anything. We're just talking about the truth of what your life is and my life is. And, uh, and saying, you know, hey, we're inviting people to this way of living. Many of them are living this way now. So it's just about deepening, you know, our, our conscious journey because, because probably most of your listeners are already on the path. Yeah. Now, I, I, I think, or, or they're, you know, tipping their toe into the water, you know, to see exactly kind of what it, what it's about. Um, so now, when it comes to, Conscious living, or um, and even in business, conscious leadership. Um, how can one leaders out there? How can they um, implement, you know, the idea of conscious living in support of business goals? So. Um let me share a few things here, and I actually created a whole master class around this that we're, we're giving away, actually, to people that uh, where they enter their receipt number 
for the book. The book's pretty inexpensive. It's called The New Universal Dream, and you can you can also buy the Kindle version and the did audio version and all of that. It's A New Universal Dream, and of course that's Amazon and and um, other bookstores. But um, at, at at a newuniversaldream.com, you know, we open up the first chapters, and um, and then you can also enter your receipt number there to get this. Uh, conscious leadership masterclass that I created that uh, we charged $300 for when we created that class. So it's it's kind of a neat deal because, of course, the book is, you know, like $14 mm-hmm. to $15 or something. <laughs> but, but here's a few things to, that, that uh, we'll get to in this. So one is just awareness is, is of opening ourselves to uh, this divine, you know, this universe that is um, that's in, in, in perfect harmony. Uh, this is what scientists say. The universe is it's non-dual. It's in harmony. Um, just opening ourselves to it with, through our daily practice. So I'm sure your listeners, they have a prayer practice or a meditation practice or they walk in nature or all of these things. Um, when we go into this daily practice like this, we become attuned to and connected to, uh, often deeply connected to this whole, um, to this still small voice, to this um to our, to our soul's calling. Um, and <coughs> my process, the way I sum it up is I call it, it, it's like aligning with the divine, where I understand that business isn't just about finding a need and filling it. You know, I'm, I, my background is entrepreneur. That's what entrepreneur is, find a need and fill it. When we're a conscious entrepreneur, there's a second one that comes in that's even more important than finding a need and filling. And that is this need, if it's unfulfilled, Will it create nurturing and and health and well-being for homes, communities in the world? You know, it doesn't matter if it's a GMO or some media company that is some need that's spewing lies and things. You know, I don't care if I can make money at that. That's the last thing I want to do is create something like that. Whereas uh, there are lots of organizations starting that are incubators for for uh, conscious living, training, consulting. Um, other kinds of, there's a huge, uh, there's an enormous need actually for conscious businesses. So that's kind of its own topic we could spend an hour on. But if we start out by becoming deeply conscious ourselves, where we, and then we align with this whole universe or the divine, uh, and that means we built a relationship with the universe and divine. And then we're kind of, we're guided to, uh, to the vision, to plans, to the culture that we're creating, to the people that we hire. Uh, now, a few things here because I'm covering a lot. So um, one is that vision uh, for the organization that is a part of conscious leadership and conscious business. It's, it's an environment where it's win, 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 win all around. There's no losers in conscious leadership or conscious business. We're, uh, it, it's all about creating health and well-being. It's all about creating nurturing. It's uh, so – we're open-hearted. We're listening well. We see the sacred. There's gratitude. And then when we recruit, um, it's not just having uh, a vision that has a higher purpose, which is what I just described. It's also then recruiting people that uh, are can, that are living and working this way consciously, not just with the awareness and understanding of this that I speak about. That's the, that's the, that was the education part. Remember, the second part was embody and expressing, right? And so the second, when we're a conscious leader, we're recruiting people who are embodying and expressing this wisdom. Why is that important? Uh, as I found out, you know, this was one of my mistakes earlier along the way, is where they're not yet embodying and expressing, they can have really sharp elbows. They can even be working transactionally. Uh, mm-hmm. For the individual, right. So, uh, so it's important that we recruit to people in this profile, and then the culture itself uh, is what creates the magic, the sacred, the listening, the grateful, the support, um, where where we're never ever taking uh, acknowledgement for somebody else's contribution. Just the opposite. We're praising people's contribution as it's made in the environment. People feel like they're seen, they're felt, uh, they're they're, uh, they're supported, they're appreciated, all of these things. These are some of the things, and I'm stepping through a lot very quickly, which is why I mentioned my master class on conscious leadership. You'll, you can read about it on that new, a new universal dream.com site, um, where I go into this in, in a lot more detail. 
Yeah. Anyway, now, um, I did want to just point out a couple of things since we're getting down toward the end of the show. Um, on your humanities team page, .org page, um, there is a, a tab for programs. Under it, you have Humanities Stream Plus. What What is that? Yeah, so Humanities Stream Plus is that streaming platform that has the – it has – over 175 master classes and transformational education programs, and uh, it's a true streaming platform. So your Apple, Google, um, Roku, all the devices, all the services it connects to, it's uh, the new programs are being translated in 75 languages. Um, uh, so instead of just going and and, uh, and buying one master class, uh, which these days costs about $325. Uh, is, is an entry-level master class in, in this uh, in transformational education. The streaming platform is now $299 for a year, uh, $29.99 a month, uh, which we just dropped the price, making it more economical. Again, we're a nonprofit, so our whole team mm-hmm. is excited about when are we going to drop when are we going to drop the price again? You know. <laughs> um, also, there's a, if you on the website, you can read there's a one for one. So when you buy the 12 months for yourself. For the 299 for the 175 programs plus, uh, you it gift a free program to somebody. We call it underserved, under uh, underserved, under um, compensation salary, and usually outside of the country that's on this conscious journey where uh, 299 is still a lot and they can't afford it. So we give it away to people, especially outside of this country that can't afford it. That's great. Now, I did also want to just point out for the listeners, um, there is a blog section under your humanities team, and, and then, you, you know, each, um, there are several people who have blogs. Um, yours is From the Heart uh, with Steve Farrell. And I just, I noticed uh, one that you put up yesterday, uh, Daily Practices for the Soul, Grounding Yourself in Intention. They had a really great practical ways that an individual can start today by implementing, you know, some of the, um, the things that we've been talking about. And, and, you know, one of them that really stuck out to me was uh, living with intention versus without a plan. You know, kind of, you know, it's a, a reframing kind of of the brain and into, you know, how to live daily. Um, and then, and then there was uh, another one. I think you did it last week. Uh, create conscious intimacy and supercharge your love life. Since we, since we just passed Valentine's Day, for for those people out there who want to still supercharge, that, that would be a good blog for them to read. Yeah, we we publish uh, five to ten blogs a week there on the website, and then there's also the podcasts. And so, yeah, there's a ton of resources. Again, we're a nonprofit, so. Uh, you mentioned programs up in the top left. That's where the streaming platform is, Stream Plus. There's also the free programs up there. You can pull that down, lots of free programs. So, uh, yeah, for people on the conscious journey, uh, check out the website, humanitiesteam.org with a Y, because there's just a whole ton of free resources there. Yeah, well, Steve, thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. It's been very informational and, and thought-provoking, so I appreciate you spending it with us. Robert, thanks for having me, and uh, Godspeed to you. I love I love what your uh, radio program is about, and uh, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Steve Farrell. You've been talking about his journey as well as his book, A New Universal Dream, My Journey from Silicon Valley to a Life in Service to Humanity. And, again, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is stevefarrell.org. And you also can find out more about humanitiesteam.org by visiting that website. And, again, there's um, a lot of free courses there to, you know, to draw from as well as uh, the blogs that I just indicated. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to BiteRadio.me's Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. To become a show follower, visit www.blogtalkradio.com.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.